Um, first of all, I want to say good morning, and then I want to say thank you to many of you who responded last week. You know, we asked you about serving on our cafe team, and there was a great response uh, of folks who uh, were new to that team. Uh, Danny, who you just met, is actually going to oversee that uh, ministry at our church, along with Leanne Smith, who's an elder here. And uh, they told us that we had about seven or eight people, and uh, they could use maybe two or three more, but thank you so much for your willingness to serve. Um, really appreciate that. Um, you know, last week, as we began looking at the stories Jesus told about the kingdom, we talked about how these parables were designed to help people connect their everyday life with spiritual truth. And Jesus, being this brilliant person that he was, knew that people needed to accept these truths on their own, or they would really never live them out in their daily life. So what he did is he would plant these seeds in their heart, in their mind, and eventually they would take root. And Jesus knew it was very much more effective for people to see the truth on their own than if he just crammed it down their throat. It is kind of like a, a scene from a movie that many of you are familiar with. Jesus knew how to plant these truths in people's minds, and he did it through these amazing stories. He tells one one time in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. All three of those Gospels give extended time to it. We're going to look at it today. Here's what it says. That same day Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea. Such great crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat there while the whole crowd stood on the beach. He told them many things in parables, saying, Listen, a sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seeds fell on the path, and the birds came and ate them up. Other seed fell on the rocky ground, where they did not have much soil, and they sprang up quickly since they had no depth of soil, but when the sun rose, they were scorched, and since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and brought forth grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. Then Jesus does something interesting. He goes on and he actually explains this story a little deeper in verse 18. He says, Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches it away, what is sown in his heart. This is what was sown on the path. As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet such a person has no root, but endures only for a while. And when trouble or persecution arises on account of the word, that person immediately falls away. As for what was sown among thorns, that is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the lure of wealth choke the word and it yields nothing. But as far as what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and yields in one case a hundredfold, in another sixty, and in another thirty. Now for many years, I've heard people teach about this parable, primarily about uh, evangelism. Okay? In other words, it's about the kind of responses that people give when they hear the message of salvation. However, I want to tell you, I don't really, really think that's the real intention of Jesus here in this story. More than just being about evangelism, this is a story about growth. This is a story about the kingdom. And it's a story about what God's intentions are for his people and for all human beings. Here's what I know about growth. Growth 
is a normal sign of health. To be alive is to have the capacity to grow. And you know, there's something miraculous about growth. It's hard to even explain it, but let me try. I remember when we fought, uh, brought our first uh, born home from the hospital, Sabrina. One of the things that struck me was her amazing rate of growth. When we left the hospital that day, she weighed right about eight pounds. And she began to eat in unbelievable quantities. By the end of the first year, she weighed approximately 21 pounds. She had almost tripled her weight in one year. And I found out that that's pretty common in babies. But I got to figuring it out, and it kind of worried me, because if she kept tripling every year, by the time she was four, she'd weigh 567 pounds. <laughs> now, thankfully, that didn't happen. But there's something really miraculous about growth. Sometimes we grow in other ways. Who hasn't been present when parents are awaiting the day when that little baby that was born to them would reach the age where they could actually walk on their own. You know, think about it. It's a normal thing to walk. Billions of people do it every day. But parents are waiting and cheering like it's never been done before in the history of the world. These parents, their greatest wish is that their baby would take that very first step and walk. And then he or she does. And he walks into the bathroom and he pulls the toilet paper off the roll. They walk into the kitchen and they put their hand on the stove. They walk into the parent's bedroom at 2 o'clock in the morning without knocking. <laughs> and the biggest wish of that parent is they could just go back to when that baby could not walk. <laughs> you see, growth is a normal sign of health, both physically and in other areas. As long as we live, if we're gaining new skills, if we're mastering new things, we're growing. Do you know there's actually a medical diagnosis for a baby that's not growing? Doctors will write on charts, on forms, the letters FTT. And that phrase stands for failure to thrive. Thriving is not something that we shouldn't be doing. It's normal. Thriving is what we're born to do. And doctors have figured out that if they can just remove the barriers to a child that can't thrive, that many times they will begin to grow. And what is true about human life is true about spiritual life. God wants us to grow. God wants us to get to a point where we're growing. So Jesus, knowing this, tells this great story. A sower went out to sow. Now maybe he was out on the hillside there by the water, and there's a body of water nearby, and maybe he looked out, and maybe there in Palestine there was someone sowing. We don't know. But maybe Jesus pointed over it and he said, there is a sower. And he gives three elements. And these three elements are very essential to this story. The first is the seed. The second is the sower. And the third element is the soil. Now, anytime you read one of these kinds of parables and you look at what's part of them, one of the things that you need to notice is which ones of these things hold constant, which ones do not change, and then look for the one thing that is the variable. Which one changes? Because that is usually the hinge of the story for Jesus. So let's look at it. First thing we have is seeds. Well, the seeds in the story don't change. This is not a story about good seed and bad seed. And the seed, of course, is the kingdom, the good news of Jesus. And the seed will always bear fruit if you give it half a chance. So the seed doesn't change. Then it talks about a sower. And the sower doesn't change. 
This is not a story about a good sower and a bad sower. In fact, you'll notice in this story how generous the sower is. It's almost like they're extravagant with their sowing. They're not careful at all about where the seed lands, who gets the seed, who doesn't get the seed. They just spread it lavishly everywhere. So the sower doesn't change, and the seed doesn't change. So here it is. Take a wild guess, okay? I made it as simple as I could. What is the variable in this story? The soil. The soil is what changes here. Whether or not the seed takes root and whether or not the seed thrives depends on the soil. You can always count on the sower and you can always count on the seed. Everything hinges on the soil. And if specifically, we could just kind of think of the soil, if we could today, as your heart and my heart. Your life and my life. Remember, growth is normal. It's a gift. We cannot make it happen, but there are barriers that prevent it from happening. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to do a little farming today, a little soil analysis. I'm going to ask you to think about your life. Really think about your life. Think about your heart these days. Think about the condition of your heart. And we're going to walk through these soils, and I'd like you to think about and just kind of ask yourself the question, which one of these does my heart resemble the most? Jesus says, first of all, there's some seed that falls on a path and it gets trampled on. Now, I want you to get this picture in your mind. In Palestine, there would be little troughs that sheep would drink out of. And right next to those troughs would be many times paths. And Jesus is saying there's some seed that falls on the ground. And farmers walk on it a lot. And sheep walk on it a lot to get to these troughs. And the conditions in Israel were such that they were so dry that if the seed hit that path, it was so hard packed, it was so well traveled, that the seed didn't stand a chance. It got trampled on. It was no good. So Jesus is saying something here about soil that is soft. We think about our hearts, and what Jesus is saying is growth requires a soft heart. See, here's what Jesus knows. He understands how it is with people, me and you. There are people whose hearts become very hard very hard toward God and sometimes his world and sometimes his love. Oftentimes you've met them and I've met them and I've been them. It's people who've been disappointed. People who have been stepped on. People who have been hurt. And what happens in our heart is we form this kind of protective layer, this protective coating. We call it cynicism or sarcasm or bitterness. And Jesus says that the evil one comes and he snatches that seed away, the kingdom. So he says you have to think about your soil, your heart. Is it tender these days? You know, I believe hard-heartedness really is one of the primary reasons that Jesus told parables. We get defensive. We put up this protective layer. In fact, the disciples asked Jesus in the same passage, this is what Leslie read at the beginning of the service, why is it that you speak in parables? And Jesus says, it's like Isaiah said, it's the truth. Having ears, they don't hear. And having eyes, they don't see. So what Jesus has to do is he has to say, I've got to break down these defenses. So he tells the story. And Jesus begins to do some really interesting spiritual surgery. How many of you here just... Show of hands, I've had some kind of surgery in your life. 
Yeah, a lot. Anybody here had dental surgery? The worst. I know a guy he has some wisdom teeth removed sometime back. In fact, he had four wisdom teeth. All four were impacted. And this dude was not for surgery at all. And uh, he especially didn't like the fact they had to knock him out for the surgery. And he was just determined that they weren't going to give him enough gas, enough juice to knock him out. So he kept telling the person when he went that day for the surgery, he kept telling the assistant, the anesthesiologist, the person that was doing it, he says, listen, he goes, you're going to need to give me a lot of that stuff because I'm a big dude, I'm a big guy. I want to make sure that I'm out. They said, no problem, it won't be a problem at all. And he says, I'm not kidding. He said, I'm really concerned about not being knocked out. And the guy said, finally, listen, just start counting backwards from 10. So he did, 10, 9, 8. And he got down to about 4 and he lifted his head off the chair and he said, see, I told you, man, you're going to have to give me more juice. And the assistant replied, sir, your teeth are already out. That's how skillful the surgeon is. They applied the anesthesia, performed the surgery, and the guy never even knew. Jesus recognizes there's something defensive about human beings. It's hard to just come out to somebody and say, you know what? You're a one hard-hearted, hard-headed person. You need to repent. Think about it if somebody came to you today and said, you know, you're one of the most resentful, angry, cynical people I've ever known. Would you just straighten up? But you tell them a story, and something could happen. The Hebrew word for parable, the word makal, is kind of a broad word. It means riddle or puzzle. It's something you have to think about. Here's the way it would work. Jesus would tell these stories like the seed and the sower and the soil. <laughs> and he would finish it telling it, and the people would go back home, and they would start making dinner. And all of a sudden, they would go, hey, wait a minute. He was talking about me. It was designed to get past their defense. Let me say this as gently as I can. Some of you in this room are in that condition right now. God, the God of this universe, is tugging at your heart. Some of you, because of a past relationship or because life hasn't turned out like you planned, someone has hurt you, you're holding on. You're holding on to the one thing that you need to let go of, and that is bitterness and resentment. I'm going to ask you today, will you ask God to tenderize your heart? I don't know what it is. Disappointment, a dream that's crumbled, a hope that hasn't realized, a marriage that has failed. But it's just made you into a really cynical, sarcastic person. Maybe it needs to be tears of repentance. I don't know. But I can tell you this. If soil had feelings, <laughs> I can promise you soil would not be in the business of wanting to be plowed up. If you went to soil and you said, hey, would you like to be plowed today? I'm pretty sure the soil would say, you know what? I think I'll take a pass on that. You know why? Because it, it hurts kind of to break it up. But I want to tell you, that's not the worst pain in the world. The worst pain in the world is to remain hard and barren and empty and never bear fruit. And some of you in this room want to change and you really want to grow. But the ground is hard and your heart is a little hard and it's been trampled on. And I just want you to hear this good news. It really is good news. <laughs> All it takes is one little opening. 
If you just give the seed just the slightest crack, it can grow beyond your wildest imagination. You ever walked along a sidewalk at your house or down in the downtown area and you just see a little blade of grass that shoots up in the sidewalk? The good news is that's the way the kingdom works. There can be enormous hardness, but just give it one little opening. Just give it one little chance. Just one chance. Just one prayer. And you never know. You never know what could happen. So Jesus says there's the hard soil. And then Jesus says there's another kind of soil, and we're going to call it the shallow soil. Really all it has there is a small layer of soil, but beneath that small little layer is nothing but rocks. And they heard, people heard this, and they knew that Jesus was saying to them, as opposed to here in the States, that they lived in a place where the fields were not just ground. They had rocks everywhere. They had to clear off the rocks. They had to get way down deep. In many places, there's just a little bit of dirt, and that little bit of dirt allows the soil to accept the seed, and the seed will begin to sprout but it has no chance to thrive. And what Jesus is saying here, I think, is that growth requires a deep faith. Let's look at this together. Richard Foster writes in his book, Celebration of Discipline, at the beginning, he says these words. He says, superficiality is the curse of this age. It's a shallow world. Shallow relationships, superficial conversations, hurried moments of prayer, too much TV, superficial commitment. And this characterizes people's lives, even people's lives sometimes when they enter into church and start thinking about their faith. For a time, it appears that things are going okay. In fact, often these folks look like they're grabbing onto everything with great gusto because they tend to bounce from one thing to another with great surface enthusiasm. But then Jesus says trouble hits, crisis, loss, persecution. Because of their faith, something is demanded of them, something is attached and then they discover the roots don't go down as deep as they thought. This is the way that we live in our world today. When things are going okay, when things are not difficult, everything is cool. But when things become tough, people bail. They change jobs, they change marriage partners, they change life groups, they change churches. Listen to what I'm going to say here, folks. Continuity, endurance, they require time. So let me ask the question, what is the depth of your soul? It's kind of like life groups. You know, we have such wonderful life groups around here. And Teresa O'Brien, who's our life group pastor, has just done an amazing job in the last few months. And they were, somebody was talking to me about this maybe six months ago, maybe toward the first of the year. And they had been a part of a group, and it had started off with such excitement, enthusiasm, and now they were just totally frustrated with their group. They're almost ready to just quit. And one of the things that happened in their group, they felt like, was that the group wasn't connecting. They weren't thriving. They weren't really, you know, growing. So I asked them about the relationships in the group, and I said, you know, what's it like? I mean, is there, like, openness and, like, deep commitment to sharing, like, at an appropriate level? And they said, absolutely not. And I said, well, there's the problem. Your group is never going to expect, experience the death of community as long as everybody is just superficial. 
See, the stability of the group isn't going to be determined by how excited they were when they started the group. When everybody talked about how great things were and how wonderful they were and the weather and their job was going this way, the faithfulness and health of a group will be determined by the times when the group hits hard ground. When you keep going deeper and deeper and deeper into the soil of authenticity. And somewhere between that first layer and that second layer of rock, there is that third layer where growth happens. Here's the good news. A person came to me a couple months ago. They said, man, my group is just awesome. I said, why? They said, because we began to talk deeper. I even told them I was disappointed in the group, blah, 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 blah. And all of a sudden, we began to move to a deeper level. Here's what I'm trying to say to you guys. What is true of group dynamics is true of us individually. You'll never know connectedness. Never know connectedness to God and others unless you forge ahead with a fierce determination that says, I will not quit. I will not surrender. I will not submit. I will express my love to God and trusted people. It's kind of like the story I heard about the, the uh, duck. A duck walks into a feed store and says, you got any duck feed? Clerk tells him, no, we don't have a market for duck feed, so we don't really carry it. Duck says, okay, he leaves. Next day, the duck comes back, same store, says, give me, you got any duck feed? Again, the clerk says, listen, no, we don't have duck feed here. So the duck leaves. Next day, the duck comes back, walks in and says, got any duck feed? The clerk says, listen, buddy, I've told you twice, we don't have duck feed, we've never had duck feed, and we're never going to have duck feed. If you ask me that again, I'm going to nail your feet to the floor. Duck leaves. Next day, the duck walks back in and says, you got any nails? The guy says, no. The duck says, in that case, you got any duck feed? <laughs> see here that's the kind of determination we need if you're going to grow here's a question is there depth in your life any depth whatsoever if you had to guess how far do your roots go down in your faith are you the kind of person who throws in the towel when times get tough or do you have that kind of depth of spirit that that kind of iron in your soul that says, I'm going to stand strong. Third kind of soil. First kind, path, hard path. Second time, shallow, rocky. Third one, Jesus gets to, and he says, there's some soil that fell, or seed rather, that fell among weeds and thorns. Now, this part of the story involves soil that's soft enough, and apparently it's deep enough, but it can't sustain growth because of one thing, and that is clutter. It's not bad soil. It's just cluttered soul. And Jesus is making the point here that go, growth requires an uncluttered life. Now, everybody hang on for a second. Anybody here got any clutter in your life? Any, anything. Okay. How many of you, be honest now, have a garage? How many of you can park all your vehicles in the garage? That's what I thought. Now, maybe you got more than vehicles than you can fit in the car I, I, or in the garage. I understand. Think about this. Sometimes our lives aren't necessarily cluttered with bad things. Sometimes it doesn't seem to be a big deal. 
Because here's what we do. We say, well, I'm not defiant. I'm not rebellious against God. My heart's not hard against God. And I'm not superficial. I'm not shallow. I mean, I have a deep faith. I don't quit when things get tough. But Jesus says this might be the biggest enemy of all. He says it just, it's the kind of thing that just chokes out your life. It just drains you of any purpose. It makes a mockery of all your good intentions. So you're not hard or shallow, but it leads to the same thing. You can't thrive. He says, clutters like this. He says, think about the cares of the world. People ask these kind of questions every day. What, do I, what, what, what will I do if so-and-so does this or if this happens? What might go wrong in my life? What am I going to wear today? What, what am I going to eat today? What will I say to them? What, what will they think of me? And our mind is just cluttered with these kind of cares of the world. He talks about the lure of wealth. We get bombarded by this every day of our life. This app, this commercial, this advertisement. I saw one recently. An expensive car was being offered, and they said, you can't buy happiness, but now you can lease it. <laughs> There's a magazine called The Good Life. Never read it. But according to the ads in it, The Good Life, The Good Life primarily consists of fine dining and weight reduction. But you try combining those two together. Fine dining and weight reduction. Here's what Jesus says. When you have clutter, all you got is a weed patch. So sometime today, maybe today, maybe tomorrow, maybe this week, it's weeding time. Here's the thing. Weeds do not go away on their own. <laughs> I've never seen a weed say, you know, we've been in this yard long enough. <laughs> We're just going to go over somebody else's line. Let's make a little weed journey down the street. <laughs> weeds don't do that. In fact, usually, here's what they do. They invite friends to come over and have little baby weeds, right? <laughs> Think about the way clutter works. It just kind of compounds itself. So maybe today is a weeding day. Maybe you're a workaholic. And it's choking the life out of you. Maybe it's financial and it's choking the life out of you. Maybe it's relationship. Maybe it's your schedule and you have your kids signed up for every league and every club and every lesson in the world. And maybe you just need to de-weed. <laughs> Let's close with some good news. Hard hearts, shallow faith, cluttered lives, all of those choke us. All of those take away from growth. But then there is the last soil. And that is that growth requires good soil. And here's the deal. This is so awesome. When the soil is soft and when the soil is deep and when the soil is uncluttered, you better watch out. You will not believe what will happen. In fact, Jesus kind of makes this inference that if you have these three things out of the way, growth is inevitable. He says there's a harvest that is produced as a result of just having good soil. Part of what you have to understand here in this story is the harvest Jesus describes is often unbelievable. 
You know, Jesus would often exaggerate some of the stories to kind of help people see the richness of the kingdom, and he does that. He says, normally in a good year, one seed would lead to a stalk and then a head of grain. And maybe in a bad year, maybe, you know, there'd be one or two. But he said, in a good year, there may be 20. But Jesus comes along and he says, 30 or 60 or 100 fold is possible. And the point is that anytime good soil begins to bear fruit, the harvest is beyond comprehension. And I know for some of you today, that seems like a stretch. So I want you to hear one more passage from Mark's gospel. Jesus also talking here about seed, a different story, but the same concept. He says, this is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground. Night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. Isn't that awesome? All by itself, the soil produces grain, first the stalk, then the head, then the full kernel in the head. As soon as the grain is ripe, he puts the sickle to it because the harvest has come. Now, you can see the story from a couple of places. Here's one. People ask me what they have to do to grow spiritually. As a Christ follower, what do I do to grow? And it's like people want a formula or a code they have to adhere to. But listen, that's not the way growth works. Growth happens automatically when you remove the barriers that are keeping you from growing. And then God's seed, his kingdom, gets planted in your soul. And this parable simply says that growth will happen. Maturity will take place when you let the seed get implanted in your heart. This parable just says, just keep sowing. Even when you're sleeping, something good is happening. I don't know about you this morning, but that's encouraging to me. Lord, today we submit ourselves to the greatest teacher who's ever taught, who knew that we needed more than just instruction, but we needed stories and parables that would help us understand the depth of the kingdom. And I pray today that our ears will have heard and would have received. I pray that our eyes will have seen the truth of the kingdom and would remain open this week to those things that we can remove in order that supernatural growth, miraculous growth can just take place. That we become more loving people, more forgiving people, more generous people, more self-controlled people, more, more gentle people, more joyful people. Because those are the signs that the soil is soft and pliable. Lead us now back out into the world to a place where we can make a difference. Wherever you plant us this week, may we grow and may we be fruitful. In Jesus' name, amen.